Well, let's uh, call your attention this morning to our series, you remember, on the office of deacon. And uh, Lord willing, with time permitting, uh, we will finish this this morning and get on with other things. Uh, we had been looking now at the qualifications of the men who are to hold this office. And you remember we took briefly from Acts chapter 6 and saw some of the immediate qualifications that were given on that day in which, uh, if again... I always want to put this again there because if they were deacons, and obviously those were the beginnings of it and something of the, those who would hold that office. And then secondly, we took you over to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and that's where we are this morning. And we got as far as verse 10 last week, so we're going to pick up there and re- get finished down through verse 13. And then it will be my plan then to give some examples Actually, quite a list of things that uh, would be pertinent to our particular situation here. I'm not saying this would fit any other church. I'm just saying it would fit our particular circumstance as what would be entailed as being a deacon here in this place. And so we're going to list some things, and, uh, and I'll give you a couple of reasons as to why to do that. I'm going to do that uh, when we get there. But as we're looking at these qualifications, we come now to number 6. It's found in verse 10. It says, And let these, that is, these men who will be holding this office, let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. So we see here that we're not just to put any in the office, but there we are to put those in office whom that we can see and we can discern Uh, after we have seen them do the particular things or some of the things that they need to be doing. Now, we may ask, how far will this testing go? And what is the test? And how do we know if they pass the test? Well, we would have to go to the Word of God, will we not? We're not here to make up our own rules, I trust, and our own ways of doing things. But we want to do it according to God's Word. But the passing test will be found in verse 10, is that they will be blameless. In other words, they're beyond reproach. This doesn't mean that they're perfect, because who is in this life? But they are above reproach. They can't be called into question, for instance, or to a given an action that they may have done or an activity in their life that raises those question marks in people's minds on a continual basis. And so these are the kind of men that we've already been watching, we've been uh, taking note of, and they're being tested or approved for this particular office. Uh, William Hendrickson, who is a uh, modern-day commentator, he's passed away now, but he said this. He says, This method of selecting deacons is surely far removed from the one which is suggested at time. Namely, maybe if we can make him a deacon, he'll stop his criticizing. Let us place him on the nomination for deacons. If elected, we can perhaps make something of him. Well, unfortunately, that is how a lot of times it's done. And we don't want to do it that way. We want to see, first of all, men who can be proved and are approved that they would be servants of the Lord and thus servants to the church of our Lord Jesus. So he has to be proved. Then notice he says here, then let him use the office of a deacon being found blameless. It is not until he has proved himself to the brethren and to the overseers that he then is qualified to hold this office. So again, this man's life or these men's life will be noticed and they will be recognized by others. 
And he doesn't have to go around tooting his own horn. He doesn't have to go around, look, I'm deacon material. Everyone needs to pay attention to me. That's not the case at all. This is stuff in this man's life that will be noticed. It will be seen. It's not hid. He's not trying to put it under the bed, so to speak, so that no one will see it. But this is stuff that can be noted among the brethren. And if we don't see it, then they're not fit for the office, at least at that time. That doesn't mean they cannot improve. They cannot make changes and decisions in their lives that maybe down the road we would see this consistent change with them, and thus they could be filling the office of deacon. And then the seventh qualification is found in verses 11 through 12. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. I read verse 12 and meant to read verse 11. Even so, let's back up a minute. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. And then verse 12, I thought it was a little short there. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. Notice, first of all, in verse 11, their wives must be grave, not slanderers, and faithful in all things. In other words, their wives as well are noted by the congregation. The wives as well are taken note of. They're examined, they're proved, they're tested. And not so much for their sake as it is for the man's sake. Because obviously we're dealing with household things here. Uh, the the, uh, the uh, what we would call in the old days the economy of the household the government of the household and if a man cannot run his family then obviously he's not fit for the office of deacon and so this man's wife is to be grave uh, she's not to be a slanderer she's to be sober faithful in all things similar to the very things that found up in verse eight in regards to him at least some of them there so he has a wife. Who is to be this way? So there again is a qualification for the deacon. He's to have a wife who has these things about him. And then secondly, notice in verse 12, the deacons must have only one wife. Uh, It says, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. Now, there have been lots of sermons, lots of books, lots of pamphlets written about what this particular one wife means. Uh, I'm not going to defend anything that I necessarily believe about it. You can always ask me later. I think it's just speaking against polygamy. That is, if a man has had a biblical divorce and he's biblically remarried, I do not see that as a problem in this office. Now, there are others who would see that as a problem, and thus if it becomes that kind of a problem, especially here in the Midwest, what we call the Bible Belt, There's a lot of false teaching or different teaching, let me put it that way, in regards to divorce and remarriage. Uh, A little bit differently than what we would hold. We hold pretty much to the Westminster Confession and what it says about marriage and divorce. And so that's just my personal view. If you all don't want to hold that, then don't put anybody in that office then who would not fulfill that. If you really believe that speaking of only one wife forever and that's what. So if a man's wife dies and he remarries then he neither is the husband of one wife any more than someone who divorces, who puts away his wife for biblical reasons. So if he's had it, but I don't think it's dealing with that. I think it's dealing with the sin of polygamy. That is having more wives at one time. If you don't hold that, that's fine. I won't hold it against you. And I trust you won't hold that against me. If that's what I do hold. But nonetheless, 
Being that as it may, he is, though, to be the husband of one wife who rules his children well. Notice that he has a household. And, of course, if he can't, as it would the elders, if they can't run their household, how would they fit, seem to be fit to help others in particular situations, especially watching over the widows and that sort of thing? But notice, not only does he do the household, takes care of the household, but he does it well, ruling their children and their own houses well. It's not just a matter of getting by. It's a matter of that he does it well. He does it in accordance to the word of God. And thus they have a home full of family religion, devotion, so to speak, unto God, uh, prayer, Bible reading. He leads in family worship. He takes leadership in his home, spiritual leadership. He strives to love his wife as Christ loved the church. He seeks to dwell with his wife according to knowledge. He gives his wife the due honor that is hers. That's 1 Timothy 3, verse 7. So a man who is to hold this office ought to be found in that route as far as his wife is concerned. As far as his children, well, he, we see that he's to be doing this well as also. He's to raise up his children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Basically, what everybody else is supposed to be doing. You know, we're as husbands here, Christian husbands, it is your duty to... Love your wives as Christ loved the church. We're to seek to dwell with them according to knowledge. We're to give honor to our wives. We're to lead in family, religion, and so forth, and have a devotion to God. This isn't anything unusual, is it? Because that's what's expected of all of us. But the man who holds this office, he's to do it well. He's to be a cut above, as it were, to an example to others in this life. And then verse 13, we see the why of all of this. For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So we see why he's to do this. That they will use the, those of who have used the office of deacon well. In other words, the point of this is, is that they will have a good conscience before God. A man who cannot and does not fulfill these things cannot, according to this verse, have a good conscience in these matters before God. And that is something that's going to trouble him. And it will trouble him in the office or out of the office, as the case may be. Notice here, it says here that they served well. And the idea is that word deacon again. The akonos is the word there. That they do this well. They deaconed well. So as they look at their lives, they're able to stand back and say, I have sought to be faithful in all of these areas, not only in my own personal life, but the life of my family and in the life and in the health of this church, physically speaking. Remember again, the idea is that they're to serve and they would serve not as the elders and the spiritual things, giving themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, but in those particulars of taking care of the physical aspects of the people of God and the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want them to be able to say that they have served well or deaconed well in this office. Well, those are the qualifications. And so when we, or if we, you in particular, look out among you to choose these men, Thus, then, these are the kinds of things that must, notice in verse 8, must 
be there. We don't want to pull what Mr. Hendrickson says, just try to find someone to keep him happy and quit criticizing and maybe he'll get to work if we give him an office. No, that's not what we're wanting. We want men already who are serving, ready to serve, and who have a personal life that can lay hold of this office. So those are the things that are non-negotiable. They're biblical. So we must do them. Now, as I said, we want to close this series with some ideas of what will that mean here. We're obviously, as we mentioned before, we don't own property, so there will be some differences. We're not that big, and so there will be some other things. We don't have... um, necessarily widows, and so there are some areas there that uh, could not and would not apply at this time, but of course we do want to be ready. So for those, I'm spelling this out for two reasons. One, for those who are in the office, that they will see the needs of these things and be encouraged to take care of them and to do them. And for those who may want the office, or someone says, well, I nominate so-and-so, and you listen to all that, and you go, well, I don't want to do all of that. Well, then maybe you're not fit for the office here. Now, you may be somewhere else, but as far as our particular situation, it's not going to work because these are some of the areas that we feel, and not just me, I was talking to John and to Brock about these things, and so these are areas that uh, we feel are pretty much uh, the going things that are being done or are, are being done and have been done and hope to con- continue to be done in our church here. Now, some of these things seem very petty, and they seem very um, uh, just small things, and, and you're absolutely right, they are. But the point here is, though, they add up. These little piddly things suddenly become a big pile of stuff when we put them together. If we were to separate these and look at them one by one and say, well, yeah, that's, that's easy, that shouldn't be a problem, and it looks like you can take care of it yourself. Well, that may be true, and I have in a lot of this stuff. But the point is, when you add them up, it becomes a big thing. And so this is what we're trying to alleviate for those men who, will be, who are in the office of elder. So they're not having to be concerned about these things so that they can do the work in which they have been called to. So if you sit there and think, well, this sounds really piddly and really petty, you're right. But when we look at them as a whole, they become a big thing. And it does take time to do them. And so you men who may have a desire uh, for the office, uh, this would be some of the things that uh, you will be called upon to do. And I, in fact, would um, hopefully you would see these things yourselves and be able to discern them and hopefully be able to do them. So here they are, uh, like them or not. These are the things that are being done currently uh, by the office holder and by me and even others here in this office, or here in the church. So, But as far as the responsibility, it does fall on the office of deacon. I'm not saying the deacons have to do all of these things individually, but they do have oversight of them, and they should be done by them if no one else is willing or can do them. So here it is, no certain order at all in this, so listen up. Well, obviously, we, lit, we work in a building here, so there will need to be the unlocking of doors, unlocking of doors. There will need to be the closing of doors. Uh, just these things right here, these are things that need to be done. 
We need to have the psalters straightened or the chairs straightened and before and after services. The psalters put back on the chairs. Sometimes they get scattered around. This just makes us look neat and in order. And so people don't come in and thinking they look haphazardly here. We want to present a good uh, thing here. Uh, turning, turning off, turning on and turning off the pulpit. You hear that? That takes a moment to do that. Someone has to do it. Make sure the microphone works. We want, don't, you want to be, I want to be heard or whoever stands in this office. Turning it off the fans so that people, especially me, will be comfortable. Uh, check bathrooms for supplies. We don't want someone in there and then they need to look around and there's no supplies there. That needs to be taken care of though. This is our responsibility as part of the building. Cleanliness of the bathrooms uh, is, a, is a primary thing. Uh, make sure the microphone works in the nursery. We have folks sitting out there, and thus they need to hear uh, the sermon. We're, we're hoping if they're here and they have children, and it's all right if they're sitting out there. But we want them to be able to hear the message. Uh, that's the purpose of being here. So we want them to hear the Word of God. And so these things have to be working. Uh, make sure there's psalters and Bibles that are available out there. If they're out there from the very beginning... Well, they'll need to sing, or if they, have a, if they can, they can sing, and they can read along in the scriptures with us. Uh, the nursery area needs to be picked up and straightened and made sure that it's safe. Uh, little children could get hurt out there. We're hoping to put something up, more of a permanent, semi-permanent uh, station out there, and we don't want something just haphazardly put up that will fall down and hurt a child. Uh, by the way, we're not insured here. So uh, it's important, brethren, that we keep the place safe because we could end up with a big, fat lawsuit. And we don't want that on our hands, do we? So again, safety is, a, is an important area. Uh, straighten and fill the track rack back there. That's another thing. Pleasantly greeting folks. And, and I say here, if necessary, seat them. Uh, obviously, our folks, we know where we're sitting normally. We all have our little pew. And... Uh, but others coming in, they may not know. So, and I think most people go enough churches to realize that there are favorite seats of everyone, and kind of direct them into a place that they can feel comfortable, they can hear, that sort of thing. Uh, they should be someone, as we pointed out earlier, who can initiate conversation with the brethren. And why is that? So that they can be able to discern any physical needs that the brethren may have. If you don't talk to the brethren and ask sometimes pointed questions, how will you know if they are widows indeed or someone of our church who may need help? So be able to be someone who can pleasantly carry on a conversation, initiate and start the conversation in that area. Be discerning in those things. Uh, make sure... I know in the back there's cleaning supplies back there. Make sure that they're not running out. Uh, make sure the inside of the meeting house is clean and presentable. Again, if you go back to the book of Proverbs, a slob, a sloppy look to your home is a mark of a sluggard. And it's condemned in the scriptures. Well, the same way here with this, this building that we rent here. Uh, we don't want folks to think, or the Lord to think for that matter, that we're being sluggards or don't care. For that, so the meeting house has to be clean and presentable. Uh, That would mean like trash cans throughout the areas that we use are to be emptied, and preferably after each time we're there, not like this morning, but in the evening. Uh, We have a water cooler now. Everyone's welcome to that. 
Well, it takes time to buy the bottle and it takes time to fill it up, put the thing in there. It has to have cups available. There's a trash can that fills up there. Those are the kind of things that need to be looked after. Uh, make sure the sidewalk and the porch are clean. It wouldn't hurt to take a broom out there at times because of the we live in Kansas and the wind blows. Uh, especially in the wintertime, there can be ice and snow out there. Once again, we are not... Uh, uh, insured, someone could fall, injure themselves. We don't want that, do we? So there's things that uh, need to be looked after and to cared for so that they're not overlooked. The grounds need to be mowed. They need to be trimmed and the trash picked up outside. Again, a more presentable activity that needs to go on. And by the way, let me say here, I appreciate all the help uh, that not only the men, but some of the ladies and even some of the children have been doing around the building, cleaning up, uh, mowing the yards. I certainly appreciate that. My last time I did it, as you know, I injured my back some. And uh, so the men really picked up on that. And I really, and the women and the children, I really, really appreciate that coming to bat, so to speak, to, in that time. Uh, the heating and air conditioning turned on and kept comfortable. Uh, again, all part of our presentation to others. Uh, we have the Lord's Supper tonight. There again, uh, it's been customary, whether it's law, but it has been the custom that deacons make sure that there's supper provisions, the, the drink and the bread. And again, we know some have taken care of that and do take care of that. But again, the deacons should be aware of this and have oversight to see that they're provided for, if not. Uh, here again, we know this is already being done. Keeping of church financial records, which includes paying bills, making sure the salaries are paid, the treasury duties, the elders table provided for and such. Also, the keeping of minutes in the business meeting. What few we do have, we need to take record of them. Uh, even Uncle Sam's, uh, Uncle Sam, our government, Caesar, uh, wants us to do that. And since it's not against the law, of God, then we're happy to do that, but it needs to be done. Uh, so, again, things that need to be taken care of. Any physical work that needs to be done on our part of the building. Again, we don't own the thing, and we've got some kind of a thing worked out right now with Mr. Lindy Muth, but whatever is ours to be done physically, it needs to be taken care of so that we won't be looking like liars or covenant breakers with the things that we've said we've done. Uh, when we're at the rescue mission, check to see that the Bibles, if there are any good Bibles, I don't really know what we passed out the other day. Do you know what they were? I know they were Gideon, but Gideon now puts out New King James and who else? Who knows what else out there. So if there are good Bibles, we need to make sure they're out there. Song books are out and replaced. We don't want to be sloppy in that. Make sure the pulpit's ready and the mic's on, that sort of thing, uh, so they can be heard. And then wisdom to discern that these things need to be accomplished. Uh, we don't want the elders running around chasing deacons down and say, look, can you do this, this, and this, and this. These are things, brethren, men in this office should be able to see that need to be done. So, if you're in the market for the office of deacon, there is an idea of some of the things that you will be doing in this church. Not to say this would fit every church, but we're talking about the particulars needing here. And this is just a small list. There are other things, obviously, that are being done and being done, which we're very thankful for in light of that. So, those are some. Now, let's make some observations. I have really three quick ones. 
The first one is this. Now that we are better informed in the matter, let us pray for those in the office. Obviously, we know who we're talking about here. We only have one man in the office of deacon, but seeing all the responsibilities that are his, obviously then we need to pray for him, do we not? Make that a matter of prayer. I, do, I appreciate the men who pray on uh, Wednesday evening. They, they, seem, they do bring up the office of deacon and prayer for Brother Jones. I appreciate that. And we need to pray publicly. We need to pray corporately for those matters as well. Any man who holds any office obviously needs encouragement at times. Be sure to do that. Be sure to thank them. When you see things in order around the place, you go out and you see the churchyard mode, make sure, you know, as part of an encouragement to them is to thank them. Thank you for taking the time to do that. Thank you for serving us in the way that God has called you to do. Help them. If you see an area that's maybe not being done as it ought to be, then lend a hand. Nothing says here that no one can't help in these matters as well. If you're, if you as a church, as a body, sees the needs, you can go to them and say, have you thought about doing this or can I help you in that, that sort of thing. Uh, they may not be aware of the need. Or see the problem. They may be so busy doing those other things that this is something that hasn't come to their attention. And so, brethren, you can be a help there. And I don't mean in a bad way, you know, and that sort of thing, but just being encouraging to help. Secondly, if we are in need of such men, let us again make this a matter of corporate prayer. The reason why that uh, we ha- are preaching on this very thing is we had a meeting, uh, all four, yeah, all four of us. And we came to a conclusion that uh, since there are lots of things that need to be done, it is kind of hard for one individual to take care of all this stuff and do it in a timely manner. manner. And so we talked about perhaps when we preach on this, this will better inform everyone what's needed, who is needed, and what will need to be done. So uh, before we go any further with that, then obviously we need to pray about that, don't we? And so make that a matter of corporate prayer. And then thirdly, let us be careful of, of following the Bible or biblical guidelines for the office. Again, we want to be very careful as to whom we put in the office. Just, I hope you, you know, this is found in 1 Timothy 3. The first half of this chapter deals with the office of elder, and he lists the qualifications there. And then we see the qualifications of the deacon. We don't want to be sloppy with either one, would we? We wouldn't want someone in the office who isn't, as an elder, who isn't found doing these particular things as a constant in his life. Well, we should be just as particular since Paul has, this is inspired both in verses 1 through 7 just as much as 8 through 13. And so we should be just as careful then with the office of deacon uh, and getting uh, the men who are qualified, who are willing to serve and the particular capacities as a deacon. So, that ends my series on the office of deacon. And again, let me, let me the first one, let me hone that again. I, I want to make sure you, we are doing this. But this is a, a place where we can use the encouragement, where we can be praying for this and uh, thanking them and uh, especially helping them if need be.